And now we come to the scripture lesson for today, which comes to us from the Old Testament book of Exodus, 14th chapter. And you know the story, or at least you've heard it before. It's part of the story of how the Israelites, as after they've escaped from slavery in Egypt and gone through the Passover, and, and they've gone away from Egypt and they've got to the Red Sea and they're just about to cross, and we'll pick up the story right there. So listen now for God's word to you today from the 14th chapter of Exodus. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their left and on their right. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we pray that you'll grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand your word and your world this day as best we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've ever, ever been to uh, Universal Studios down in Los Angeles or a little north of LA, you know that there's a, a tour you can take. You get on a bus, kind of little tour bus, and you go throughout the lot where all these... Uh, Hollywood TV shows and movies were filmed, including the 1956 biblical epic, The Ten Commandments. And you remember that scene where Moses, played by Charlton Heston, 
How can you forget this scene? He stands on this rocky crag with the clouds billowing around him and thunder, and he cries out to the people. The Lord of hosts will do battle for us. Behold his mighty hand. And the sea parts right in front of their eyes. That was filmed at Universal Studios. And, you know, I gotta say, the bus drives right through where that scene was filmed, and, you know, it's really not that dramatic. It's a lot less dramatic, I must say, on a bus than it is in the movie, let alone in the Bible. And that gets at a problem we have with Bible stories sometimes. They're too familiar. They're too familiar to us, and sometimes that makes them lose their power. And when they lose their power, sometimes we can lose the point. For example, we know the people of Israel were kind of anxious when they got to the Red Sea, but did you hear how they acted? In the face of fear, they start bickering and moaning they say, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt that you had to bring us all the way out here to get drowned or massacred? Just leave us alone, Moses. Leave us alone, God, and let us go back to serving as slaves in Egypt. What they're doing is they're looking for a do-over, right? And you really can't blame them because they are literally stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. And then Moses says to them, or at least this is what he actually says in the Bible, not so much in the film. Moses says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And all you have to do is be still. In other words, keep calm and carry on, because God's got this. Have you ever been in a place like that? Maybe not with a marauding army on one side and a, and, a, and a sea on the other side where you might drown, but have you ever been caught in the middle between a past that, as painful as it was, at least seemed kind of normal, and some hazy vision of the future. I have various points in my life, and I actually think that's a pretty good description of where we are right now. To some degree, in our world, in our country, in our community, and in our lives, and in our church. And it can be reassuring to think we can go back to the way things were, the way they used to be, rather than sit with the reality of where we are right now and step out to where we need to go. A word that is often used to describe a time like this is liminal, liminal. It comes from the Latin word for threshold. And it's a time in between an ending and a new beginning. 
and it can bring up all sorts of feelings. If you uh, watched our broadcast last week, you know that in my sermon I mentioned a few of the, the positive feelings that some people have uh, told me they have about the future of Piedmont Community Church in our own time of transition, thinking about the future. Well, this week I'm gonna share a couple of the, the negative feelings that people have. Worried, nervous, disengagement, dispersed, insular, homogeneity, aging, unimaginative, irrelevant, politics, resistance. And, you know, I have to say that even if you label feelings like that with the word negative, they're really just normal. They're normal, they're natural, especially in a time of lots of big and rapid and, and sometimes unwanted change. Of course, there's COVID and all the restrictions we have to go through as a, as a faith community, like every other faith community. Then there are all the long-term cultural and demographic trends that uh, houses of worship, organized religion has gone through uh, for the last few decades. We've got all that going on too, and I'm not gonna get into the details today. But a whole set of assumptions we've relied on for years about how to be and how to do church, they're being called into question. Not that everything has to change, certainly not our core purpose as the body of Christ to share and to live into the gospel. It's just that our context has shifted enormously from what once seemed normal. And we find ourselves in this liminal time between what was and what has yet to emerge. So, what are we supposed to do as a community of faith in a time like this? Well, what communities of faith have done for time immemorial is the first step, and that is to tell a story, especially a story that's reflecting on the Bible. So that's what I'm gonna do now. It's a very old story. It was written by an unknown rabbi more than a thousand years ago. And it was written as a midrash. A midrash is a sort of imaginative reinterpretation of a biblical story, just like the one I just read from Exodus. And so it starts like this. When the Israelites got to the Red Sea, the waters were unparted. They were trapped and afraid. To go into the sea was to drown and to stay on the shore meant certain death at the hands of the Egyptians. So, to test whether God's promise of deliverance was true, somebody needed to be the first one to get in the water. So the leaders of the various tribes of Israel got together and they bickered and negotiated and argued about who was gonna be the first person to go in. They couldn't come to a solution until one man, Nashon, son of Aminadab, he stood up and he walked out into the water. At first, he walked up to his ankles, but the sea didn't part. 
And then he walked into his waist, up to his waist, and the sea didn't part. Then he went up to his shoulders and up to his chin, and still the waters did not part. And then he kept going. And then, just as his nose was going underneath the water, the Red Sea parted. And when that happened, the rest of Israel followed Nashon, son of Amminadab, into the sea and onto freedom. Now, in Hebrew, Nashon means stormy sea waves. And his story has a lesson for us today in our own liminal time, our time in between. And that is the necessity for quiet courage. Quiet courage. In a recent book, Gil Rendell says that the church in North America is in a liminal time. That is, all the churches in America, we are in a liminal time, and what we need to be able to get through it is to be quietly courageous. Every church, he says, is going through some sort of a transition right now. Not and this time is not just a turnaround situation. We can't just go back to the way things used to be. Like the ancient Israelites, we can't just power our way through it either, relying on our own abilities or our own uh, sense of um, uh, uh, identity or some novel technique or program or, or some leader to fix things. So we have to, first of all, take a clear look at who we are as a church and where we are in our own context. That means we have to ask some fundamental and maybe difficult questions. For example, what is our mission? You know, every institution, every organization has a public mission. That is what we say we're about. And we have a private mission. What we really spend most of our time and energy doing or thinking or worrying about. Our mission, public and private, has to come into alignment. We also need to change the question that tends to orient our action. From what can we do now that things have gone so wrong? We have to change the question to what can we do now that things are different? That means being open to try new things, even take a few risks, and being humble enough that none of us has all the answers right now about what to do or where we're going. But we're moving forward in faith anyway, trusting in God to guide us. There are lots of other things we need to do and lots of other questions we need to ask in a time of transition, and I'm confident we're going to do that here at Piedmont Church with God's help and our shared commitment. And part of the reason why I'm so optimistic is that we've been here before. We've done it before. Maybe not you and me, wherever we happen to be this day, this time, but 
as a congregation, we have been here before. As a group of people who first got together more than a century ago to start a church up here on the hill. It was 1910, a time of massive changes in America and around the world. We call it the progressive era. And along with all the progress came a lot of conflict. Now in Protestant churches in America, battles were raging all over the place between so-called liberals and so-called fundamentalists about how to interpret the Bible and, and how to be a Christian, whether you're a Christian because you believe this or not a Christian because you believe that. And some residents of Piedmont, California, decided they'd had enough of it. And they responded to God's call to do something completely different, something totally radical and risky. They started a church that was not part of any denomination. It wasn't Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopal, Catholic, Methodist, whatever. And now, you know, nowadays that might not sound all that strange, but back in 1910, that was unheard of. And in the words of a creed, they wrote, we assume no right to dictate to another his creed, but with charity for one another's individual peculiarities of belief, I love that term, we unite on the broad basis of the Christian religion. And we cordially invite all who sympathize with our aim of whatever sect or of none, and who are willing to cooperate with us in the spirit of Jesus for the help of one another and for the salvation of humankind to join with us in our work and worship. They said that more than 100 years ago. And we've lived it ever since. And the truth is that you and I, we are inheritors, stewards of that same quiet courage. Whether up here in the East Bay Hills or on the shores of the Red Sea 3,000 years ago, we are following after generations of our ancestors moving forward in faith together into the unknown. So the words of Moses that he said by the seashore to the people of Israel ring true for us today. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Let those words penetrate your mind and soothe your heart. And remember that God is still active, liberating and loving and healing and redeeming this world, and you and I are part of that story, part of that plan, part of that action of salvation. So let's step out into the water and into the promise that God has for us. In Jesus' name, amen.